And I want to preach the word of God because all great moves of God are founded upon two things, three things, worship, prayer, and the word of God. And the month of February is always a special month. Every year it is for a number of reasons. It's the only month that gets an extra day every four years in leap year. Uh, All of you guys take note. Next week is Valentine's Day. We will have that, what is it, Tuesday? I, I have to look at my calendar. I just know that when it rolls around, I'll be ready. That much I know, and I would advise you to be also. Amen. We celebrate black history all this month. Four of our U.S. presidents were born in the month of February. The 15th Amendment that forbids prohibiting someone from exercising their right to vote was enacted this month. We could go on and on. And here at Inspire, we always endeavor to begin every year, which we did this January, and we're doing it again in February, to pursue God and to seek after Him. And I really think that's how every month should go. It's already shaping up to be an incredible year, and I give God praise for it. Anybody notice the land being cleared over here? Amen. We're going to get that parking in. As soon as uh, we can get permits and everything arranged for that, which we will be walking through the process. So if you know anybody in Harris County, you know, you can yank on their coattail. Please let me know. The theme for this year is blessed. Period. I want you to notice that. You can see that period at the end. Blessed. Period. That means it stops right there. What I mean by stops, the blessing stop? No. Further discussion about whether or not we're blessed stops right there. We are blessed, period. Amen. And we have been spending a little time unpacking what that means. Uh, I mentioned the surge of spiritual hunger that George Borna said is occurring at all age levels, but is greatest among the younger generations, that is all the way through the millennials, uh, Z, X, all of those through millennials. And uh, we baby boomers are one percentage point behind them. So we're not far behind, but they are crying out for God. They want an encounter with God. People say, well, I thought church attendance was kind of falling off. It is in many places because if people are only committed to a program We want church, it's not a Kiwanis Club meeting. I don't say that with disrespect. We want an encounter with God. That's what we're hungering for. And all of these statistics are being borne out after we discovered the futility and the lack of security that there is in everything that we thought we could depend upon. That was wiped out in the pandemic. And so when when we say we are blessed, what does that mean? Generally speaking... The colloquial expression that we are blessed means that we recognize that we are experiencing God's favor, his grace, and goodness in a way that is deeply satisfying to us personally. It is the fulfillment of what Jesus said in John 10.10, I am come that you might have life, comma, and that you might have it more abundantly. And the question is always, which side of that comma are you living on? The life side or the abundant life side? But I want to ask you a question as I get ready to begin this morning. And that is, have you ever felt left out in all of this? 
You ever felt like the blessings of God, the life that others are enjoying was passing you by. Some of you might not know what it feels like to be passed over. Most of us do. And it seems that at times people can even believe that when God is blessing everybody else, they're being left out. I want to talk to you about a man that lived through that experience. In John 9, verse 1, now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents? That's a pretty profound question, that he was born blind, suggesting that the sin occurred before the man was born. How you can sin before you're born, I'm not, I can't figure that one out. But they attributed his lack of sight to either the sin of his parents or some sin he had committed in eternity past. And we could talk about some of that at another time. But this is what Jesus answered by saying, neither this man nor his parents sin, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And when he had said these things, he spat on the ground, made clay with the saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with clay. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seen. That is profound. Someone told me, and I, I don't know, they said in the, in the margin of their Bible, in the, I guess it was implied they said, that's what they told me, in the Greek that the man was born without eyes and that there were just sockets there. And I can see the great creator making clay to complete the act of creation, if that's indeed what occurred, and giving that man eyes. If that wasn't exactly what happened, at the bare minimum, there was an extraordinary miracle because a man who had been born his whole life could now see. And therefore, the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was blind said, is not this he who sat and begged? And some said, this is he. And others said, he's like him. But then he spoke up and said, I am he. Therefore, they said to him, how were your eyes open? He answered and said, a man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and I received sight. Then they said to him, where is he? And he said, I do not know. And they brought him who formerly was blind to the Pharisees. My subject today is blessed, but I didn't know it. Blessed, but I didn't know it. Father, I ask you to speak a word to us in that incredible, astonishing way that you have of taking your word and making it relevant to where we are in our lives at that moment. And let its truths be expounded in a manner that are clear, help us to hide behind the cross and you be exalted. And we really do give you permission at any moment to interrupt our hearts, our lives, our worship, whatever we do for you, that you can receive greater glory 
in Jesus' name. And everybody shouted and said, Amen. This story to me proves one of the great paradoxes in life, and that is that you can be blessed and not even realize how blessed you actually are. And that has to do with our perception, doesn't it? We can think that our circumstances in life are unfair when God is actually working through our circumstances for our greater good. When Jacob, who I remind you of the sequence of events, got the birthright from his older brother Esau, then had an encounter with God at a place called Bethel as he was fleeing from Esau, who was really angry at him. And then had another encounter with God and different encounters along the way besides those when he finally met Pharaoh where his youngest boy who had been born at that time had been sold into to slavery in Egypt. He had another son, Benjamin, that came after, after that. But, but Joseph, when he was sold into slavery, he had sent, brought the family. And when Jacob met Pharaoh, Pharaoh looked at this wizened gnome of a man. He's 130 years old. And he says to him, how old are you? And Jacob says, I'm 130 years old, but few and evil have been the days of my life. What a statement. You don't know anybody 130 years old, do you? I don't. I don't even know anyone close to that. We one time had a couple in the church that both lived to be above 100. Incredible people. But 130 and now after all those years and several life-changing encounters and getting a birthright he was not supposed to have in the first place because he wasn't the oldest. When asked about his life, he said, I've only lived a few days and they've been bad. Our perception determines what we believe to be our reality. And because we believe it, you say, but you can't say that I'm blessed, Pastor. Who, me? You have no idea what I'm walking through right now. In fact, I would consider myself to be the very opposite of blessed. Yet the truth is you might be blessed in ways that you aren't seeing because your focus is only capable of seeing the present. You don't see the next chapter. There's an incredible story Max Lucado told years ago about an old man who was a woodcutter who lived on the edge of a forest in a tiny village and he had a beautiful horse and he was the man was very poor and everyone was telling him sell the horse and you can get so much money it is so rare it is so extraordinary you could live the rest of your life on the proceeds even the king wanted the horse and the man said no he's like a friend more than a possession how can i sell him and he would not sell the horse. And then one day the man went to the stable. And when he went to the stable, the horse was not in it. And all the villagers gathered around and said, see, you should have sold the horse because now you've squandered the opportunity to make a lot of money. And you made a mistake. You're cursed. And the old man said, don't, don't say that. He said, all we see is this moment in time. We don't see how the story is going to end and the people said, look, we're not a philosopher. We aren't philosophers, but you, we don't need to be to figure this one out. And so we can see the horse is gone and you're cursed and you should have sold it. And the old man said, all we know is the stable is empty. Let's see what happens next. 
the people laughed at him. And then 15 days later, the horse came home. Only he brought 12 wild horses with him. And suddenly the people said, you're a genius. You're absolutely right. We thought you were cursed. You're blessed. You can break these horses and sell them and make a lot of money. And you'll have more money than if you had sold the horse originally. And the old man said, wait, wait, time out. Once again, you're going too far. You're judging. You're trying to figure out the story before the ending gets here. Only say the horses return. And the people scoffed and said, you're blessed and don't even realize you're blessed. And so then the young man who was the son of the only son of the woodcutter set in to break the horses. And he was thrown off and both of his legs were broken. And the people gathered around and said, you were right. It was a curse. These 12 horses have brought misfortune on you. This young man was going to take care of you in your old age. And now he's crippled. And the old man said, wait again. Stop trying to tell the end before it gets here. He said, we don't know how the story will end. And the people scoffed and said again, you're cursed, old man. It was a curse. It was not a blessing for those horses to come. And then war broke out. And all of the young men of the village were sent off to war. And the villagers gathered around and said, you were right, old man. You were right. It turned out it was a blessing that your son broke his legs. Because now he doesn't have to go to war. And the country we're fighting is much bigger than ours and stronger. And they have a fierce army. And our sons will probably not return. And the old man threw up his hands and said, once again, you people are beyond my ability to help you to understand. Only say... That we are at war. So many people borrow problems from tomorrow by trying to figure out the outcome instead of letting God do what he promised and make all things work together for our good. Jesus said, don't worry about that. Don't worry about tomorrow. Can I hear somebody say amen? And I've got a word for somebody in this house. And when I look at this story of the blind man, one of the things that it tells me emphatically underscoring this principle is that God specializes in turning things around. We must never forget that. The psalmist said in Psalms 30 verse 11, you have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have put off my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. The Hebrew word where it says turn for me, that word turn means to change, to turn about, or to be reversed. You see, when you're trusting God, God can make the worst of circumstances end up being a blessing in your life. Amen. The Bible says in Psalms 30 and 5, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. I want to I underscore that for a minute. Because how many of you have ever lived through a day when there was no sun that came up in the east? 
Every single night is followed by a a dawn, a sunrise. And I love it that in the Bible it said the evening and the morning were the first day. Not the morning and the evening, the evening and the morning. And you need to look in the mirror and tell yourself it might be light uh, outside right now that's only enough for me to see my hand in front of my face. But guess what? The sun is coming up in a little while. God's going to turn it around for me. I know he is. The blind man's story reveals this principle. Wow, does it ever. Born blind, limited opportunities, handicapped from his childhood in a society that had no way to help people with these kind of things that they faced. And that meant that he couldn't play the same games as other kids. He couldn't go where they went. He wasn't going to be able to have a job. In fact, when we find him in the Bible, he is sitting begging. That's what the scripture says. And it reminds me so much of a story that occurred in my own family. You see, because my guess is, my feeling is that everybody else took their sight for granted except for this man. It was his lack of sight that made him acutely aware of what was missing. When I was a little boy... We had relatives who lived in Lafayette, Louisiana, and late in life, they had a son born to them named Perry. They were literally overjoyed. And after a while, the dad began to notice that when someone would get near the crib and make a noise, greet the baby, say a word to him, the baby would jump like it was startled. And the dad began to wonder what that was and, and, and began to become concerned about it. And one day he walked over quietly to the crib and suddenly just moved his hand over the top of Perry's face. And there was absolutely no response. Since Perry didn't hear him, it was obvious now that he wasn't seeing the hand that was moving. And so Jack, who is the man's name, went to his, his wife And said, I'm afraid that our son has a problem with his eyesight. And they took him in and he had been born blind. This was years ago. They have a lot of procedures now they did not have then. But they were concerned, justifiably so, about him growing up and the challenges he would face and what he might miss out on. And as Perry grew older, he began to realize he was different than the other kids Well, the good news is it turned out the problem could be corrected. They brought him to a doctor, a surgeon, and the surgeon said there's a new procedure, and it was new at that time, that we can do, and it might be able to help your son. We won't know for sure until the surgery is completed and we unwrap the bandages in a couple of weeks. I think it was two weeks later. Perry, as I recall, was about seven at that point. So the parents agreed to the surgery, and they performed the surgery, And then for two weeks, he went around with his head completely wrapped in bandages that could not allow any light to get through to his eyes. And, and as the day came, they were, they were, they were just so, they they were so concerned. Oh God, please let this work. And, and they brought him into the doctor. They removed the bandages and guess what? Perry could see. And it was amazing. And Perry grew up, he never did have the best eyesight, but he was able to see. And in fact, uh, instead of him being limited in his job, he actually took a job later after he became an adult with the Pentagon. 
and uh, worked as a civilian contractor for them uh, for, for many years until he retired, moved to the East Coast. But this is the story I want you to hear. This is the part of the story I want you to, to visualize with me. They're on the way home from the doctor now. And they're in the car. And Perry, for the very first time, is seeing buildings and trees. And it's the spring of the year. And they're going down the highway in Lafayette where there are many other cars that are going and are traveling that same highway. And suddenly Perry cries out to his dad, stop, 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 stop the car. And his dad pulls over on the side of the road and says, what's the matter? And he said, I want to get out. I want to see. And he got out and there were flowers, wildflowers growing along the highway. And Perry got out on his hands and knees and looked at him and felt him and ran over to the next ones and, and looked at them. And when his parents got out of the car with him, they saw tears streaming down his face. And they said, what's the matter, son? And he said... It's so beautiful. I never dreamed it could be this beautiful. I never realized that it would be so wonderful to be able to see. And I thought how many people went up and down that highway and saw the same sights and had been seeing them their whole lives but did not appreciate the beauty that somebody that had been born blind was now able to see in what they thought was ordinary. Amen, amen, amen. You see, once God does a miracle for you, it changes everything in your life. Once God shows you who he is. The difference in Perry and this man in the story is this man has grown. Now he's lived through childhood, adolescence. Now he's into adulthood. We don't even know how old he might have been. And Jesus passed his way. And I love this about the story. Jesus didn't keep going. I need somebody to say that. Jesus didn't keep going. Would you do that? There's a reason I'm saying that. Jesus did not keep walking by. In the boat, he made as though he would have passed them by. The blind lady, or rather the lady with the issue of blood, I mean to say, had to follow him to touch the hem of his garment. That's not the story with this man. Jesus went to him. And the disciples watched in astonishment as Jesus spit on the ground and made clay and rubbed it and said, go wash. And the man came back seen. And there's so much material in this story that I could preach about. I could preach about the details and the DNA in the Slava and all of that kind of thing. But let's leave that for another time. What I want you to focus on here is there was something going on that day that was much bigger than a chance encounter between Christ and a blind man. We think, oh, Jesus just happened to go that way. And then the disciples add to the confusion and say, did the man sin before he was born or his parents or what's going on? And Jesus rebuked them and said, no, that's not what is happening here. You see, and I I need to deal with this. So just give me a moment and and then I'm going to get to what I want to say. But it's important because people live in this particular moment encapsulated in this story. This is where many people spend their lives. What did I do to deserve what I'm going through? What did I do? Is God angry at me? Is God upset? 
Is God mad at me? Does God know who I am? Does God even care? Does God see what I'm walking through? Where are you, God? I need you. That was pretty much the attitude of these disciples. And they were not, they were not the only ones. Job's comforters in the oldest book of the Bible basically expressed the same sentiment to Job when they see him devastated, covered with crusted wounds and sores, racked with fever. He's lost everything he ever had, his family, his children, his possessions. And they become convinced, Job, the reason you're in this condition is because you deserved it. We all thought you were a good guy, but you did something that really upset God. And Job is protesting, no, I've maintained my innocence and my integrity. I've not been sinning. I've not been living on the down low. And they said, you're lying, Job. We know good and well you are. You've been doing something that's not right. And finally, fate caught up with you. Judgment. Can I say this today? Can I talk to people here? Can I, can I speak to you where you're living right now? Can I tell you that God knows what you're walking through and that God knows none of us are perfect and that's not why you're facing what you're facing right now? You, you say, how can you be so emphatic? How can you be certain? That I'm not being punished for the miserable wretch of an individual that I am. Are you saying, Pastor, that there there is no recompense for doing wrong? No, you see, many times we reposition the whole purpose of Scripture in a way that's incorrect. We have these principles in the Bible. They were given to us for us. Not to be used against us. God said, you walk this path out. This is where it's going to lead. So I'm giving you these principles so you can avoid that over there. Then if we go ahead and take that route anyway, yeah, there's going to be some pain and some hurt involved. God loves us enough to let us know that in advance. To try to tell us, hey, don't go that way. Go this one out here. Move this direction over here. Broad is the way that leads to death and many there be which go in thereat. The road that leads to life, uh, it's a little bit more narrow. It can be uphill sometimes too. But for your own benefit, choose this one over here. Now, you see, what I love about God is he didn't have to tell us any of that. He could have just thrown us out there and said, find your own way. But he didn't. I want to speak to somebody in these closing moments and tell you that the problems that you're walking through right now are not because God doesn't see you. Because all of the while the man was blind, there was a date circled on a calendar. In fact, before he was ever born, God had made an appointment to meet with that man and show up in his life. God was setting him aside so that he could experience the glory of God and have a greater destiny than everybody else whose lives had been normal. I'm talking to someone in this house right now. You feel like destiny has walked by you. It has not. God has set you aside for his divine purposes. But if God cared, would I be going through all this? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I get it. You see, if God really loved me, would this have happened? Would I have suffered the loss that I've suffered? You see, we live in a broken, damaged world. 
that is ruled by a fallen Lord. And people are trying to navigate through this life and make sense of why bad things happen to good people. And we often are told by the enemy, it's his fault, it's God's, God ignored you, God forgot about you. That isn't true. Because if you will believe God, in every person's life, there is a moment when God comes walking down your dusty road. When God shows up in your life, he's not on his way somewhere else. He's on his way to you. I don't think you heard what I said. He's not on his way to a better and more important meeting. He's on his way to meet you. Can somebody give God some praise in this house? Jesus went to the man, and I'm already done. He went to him and sought him out. And what compels me about this story is how many years did the man get it wrong? I've been bypassed. I've been ignored. I've been overlooked. I've been passed by. Everybody else had a good life but me. And the Lord is saying, just wait. It won't be long. Somebody's going to come walking down your little road that's going to turn your world upside down. And when he does, you're going to have a testimony that's going to make you the envy of the neighborhood. Because God's about to turn your test into a testimony. If you will continue to believe God and hold on to God, God's getting ready to turn your mourning into dancing. Somebody give God some praise with me. If you can see it this way, your need is actually an indication that God is about to show up. You say, how do you get that? It's right there in the the Bible that you have with you or the device. Philippians 4.19. And my God shall supply. Come on, say it. How much? All what? All your need. If you've got a need, it's an indication God's got the supply. And it's an indication that God is working. All you got to do is hold on to God and continue to trust the infallibility of his word. Somebody needs to say with both hands on their chest, my situation is not permanent. It is temporary. God's getting ready to flip it around for me. God's getting ready to do something in my life. God is about to show up. So the big question is, did God pass over us or did he set us aside for a greater miracle? Why was this man born blind? Did he sin before he was born? Did his parents? (laughs) And Jesus just looks at him and I can can imagine he's shaking his head and said, fellas, you're too deep even for me. Uh, You're wrong on both counts. The reason he was born blind 
is that the glory of God could be revealed in what is about to happen to him. And God needed a canvas that he could paint a miracle on top of it. And that's what God's about to do for somebody in this building. Oh, just this week, just this week. Can I tell you this? We have had miracles happening this week. I received a phone call on Friday. One of our men and he and his, his wife have a very good friend and he's in a hospital in ICU. And uh, he had two aneurysms in his brain. Well, you don't want an aneurysm, period. And they went in to do surgery on Friday. And the man I'm talking about, he and his wife were there at the hospital. When the surgeon came out, they were going to go in and cauterize and do something in the brain. And they were going to stop the bleeding. And the, the doctor came out, a specialist, and said, I don't know what happened. Only way I know how to call it is it's a miracle. There's no aneurysm there anymore. They're not there. I'm talking to somebody that needs to know you are going to become a testimony for God. Hallelujah. Give God some praise in this house. Who's next? Who is next? I left the platform this morning. Stand with me across the building. Went out into the lobby and a precious young couple. I think they were coming from the children's wing. So they probably were in the nine o'clock service. But if they're in this one, would you raise your hand? That Your aunt had to have the, the, the surgery this week for cancer. Can I see your hand? I think they were in the first service, sweet young couple. And she said it with tears in her eyes. She said, my aunt had cancer and they had to do surgery this week. And the doctor went in to do the surgery and guess what? There's no cancer, there was no cancer. It wasn't there. There's a God that can go in before the doctor even cut you open with a scalpel. I'm talking to somebody that needs to know that in the middle of your challenge, God sees you. God knows who you are. And he's walking down the road in your direction right now. Right now. And he's going to change everything. Our big concern is always the timing. And when that's going to happen, when that is going to happen, I, I can't say. All I know is this, even when I don't see it, he's working. Even when I don't feel it, he's working. He never stops, never stops working, never stops, never stops working. He's working in me right now. He's working in somebody right now. He's working in your life right now. God is at work. Never stops. Never stops. Never stops. Now that man hated to go through it when he went through it. And I've hated everything I've ever had to walk through. At the time I was walking through it. And so have you. But after it's over. I learned something about God's faithfulness. That I never could have learned. In any other way, every head bowed. God is moving in this room. Oh God. Oh God. I praise your name here today. 
If you're here today and you need Christ in your life, would you raise your hand right where you are? Right where you are. Hands all over the building. Come on, raise them. I see hands going up. Keep raising, keep raising. God bless you and you and you and you. And risers, I see you, I see you. God bless you, God bless you. Father, I pray right now for every person who needs Christ in their life. Come into their heart. Be their Lord and Savior. Save them, Lord. Unseat whatever it is that's been ruling their life or their human will, human intellect, flesh, pride, whatever it may be, just move that right off the throne and they give you permission to it. Be their Savior. Be the Lord that they've searched and hungered for all their life. Be their God in Jesus' name. Let's have a party for a moment to welcome everyone that prayed that prayer. Come on. Let me hear you. I want want you to raise the roof. Come on. Hallelujah. That's how glad we are that you just prayed that prayer. And I'd ask you to do three things if you just prayed that prayer with us. Get water baptized. The wonderful name of our Savior to follow his commands. Number two, be filled with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that you may be able to live the Spirit-empowered life. You can't live it by yourself. None of us can. And number three, become a Bible-believing disciple, a committed member of the body of Christ. You say, what does that mean? It means go to church and worship. Well, I like to sleep in on Sunday morning. Go to church and worship. That's what it means. It means you need God more than you need anything else. We all do. And so I'd urge you to do that. And one thing to help you in your devotional life, I write a devotional. And if you will go to this, this number up here on the screen, that same one, I think, and just simply text the word join. You can start tomorrow morning and um, you can be a part of a huge group of people. We have several thousand people that read that devotional and we would love to have you welcome to that and be a participant in that group. And, um, we would be so glad if you did and you would grow with the Lord. But, and now I want us to bow our heads one more time because I just feel like God's doing a sovereign work of his grace in our hearts. I just feel like God's doing some things. God's tugging at people. This spiritual hunger that that Borna survey revealed is sweeping America. It's in this room right now. There's hunger for God. Can I tell you, you can have an encounter with God that is satisfying like no other. How many of you have slipped up a hand and said, that's me you're talking to, Pastor? Come on, raise them all over the building. You're talking to me. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I feel God stirring my heart. This is what I want us to do. I want all of those of you that feel God stirring you and calling you to an encounter with him to come right now. God told Jacob, arise and go up to Bethel. Come join me right now from across the building. Come on. Amen. And some of you are going to have encounters today and others it's going to occur this week. And and just come hungry. That's, That's the only condition. Hungry, God. I want to know you. I want to encounter a living God. I want to have a relationship with God. 
And you may already be a child of God. Nobody's questioning that. But there's something calling you and drawing you deeper. Come on, right now, right now, right now. Take a step forward and say, I'm responding to that hunger, Lord. I'm coming. I'm coming. He never stops. Never stops working. Even when I can't see it. He's working. Even when I can't feel it, he's working. Work in my life, I give you permission to, Lord. Would you lift your hands with me and let's pray. Never stop, never stop. Work in our lives. I want to pray right now. I want to pray for renewal. That's what I feel to pray for. Now you've taken a step forward. God wants to renew someone's experience with Him and set you on fire with the power of His Holy Spirit. None of this... None of this this stuff for religion is just a formality. Let's move that all out of the way right now. Father, I want to pray that you will give somebody in this room, many somebodies, you will give those who hunger for you a fresh encounter. It's not in how loud I pray. It's not... Even in the prayer, I pray, but it's in the posture of our hearts. And we invite you to come right now and feel this place. Let the fire of your Holy Spirit breathe upon us. Just tell him that, breathe upon me, Lord. Breathe upon me. Breathe upon me. You are what I need in my life and in my heart. I need the breath of the Holy Spirit active inside of me. I feel revival in this place right now. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it. You're working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop. I feel led of the Lord to do this before we go. How many of you have somebody 
that is on your heart that needs God. They're on your heart already. They're already on your heart. That's what the Lord is whispering to me. It could be a friend, it could be a relative, it could be a neighbor. How many of you, it's your children, would you raise your hands? I want us to offer them up as an offering to the Lord right now. Our children, our families, our friends. Can you lift your voice and pray this prayer with me? Father, today I ask you to send your spirit to deal with them. Stir their hearts. Call them into the body of Christ. Bring back those who have drifted away. Set them on fire for you, God. Save our lost loved ones. Save our lost friends. We give you praise right now because we believe you're hearing our prayer in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.